0: This over here is Hanson. Forget about them. This is who you're looking at.
1: This is Rizza. He's one of the best rappers of all time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: another episode of the game time podcast another premier league review for you and tom and ryan are back for the first time in a while boys how you doing hello boys yeah i shouldn't probably refer to both of you at the same time that'll only cause confusion (laughs) a desk of grape jelly Just a wonderful start to the podcast. Um, Right, let's just go straight in on it because you know what? This Manchester United-Spurs game promised to be quite an interesting one and more has come out of it since they played on Sunday. So let's get straight into it. Ryan, what were your thoughts on the game? Manchester United came out with a 1-0 win, but my God, they hang on in there in the end, didn't they?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hell of an annoying game to watch. Um, if we could actually like have found the corner with all of the fifteen attempts we had on target, then <laughs> <laughs> potentially we could draw. But um yeah, it was very annoying. Um I I feel like that was even though it's Solskjaer's team now, that felt like a Mourinho win, if you know what I mean. In terms of like they sort of like United scored and then they sat on the lead for the most of the game and then sort of De Gea was taking a bit of a liberal time with his goal kick, shall we say. And then, like, um, they were sitting very deep. So, it's nice to know that they have learnt something from Mourinho.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, just, it was just very frustrating from my point of view because I feel like we did enough to get a point. But we've played worse than that and, like, won games earlier in the year. So, it's probably going to be, like, come back and bite us soon, like, sooner rather than later. And, unfortunately, it was just one of them. One of them on Sunday.
0: You know, David De Gea made 1,000% more saves in that game against Spurs than he made at the entire 2018 World Cup.
2: Spain <laughs> worse shit at that World Cup, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I just saw that one online. I thought that one was quite interesting. Tom, from an outside perspective, how good do United look now that Mourinho is out the door, despite the fact that Ryan has said that that looked like a Mourinho win?
1: Uh, I think they might look much better. I, I-, I would say that... The- this game was really a little bit unusual because I think for two-thirds of the game, United played very, very well. And I think maybe Solskjaer didn't make the right decisions and substitutions at the end, and I think the last third, it was very much hanging on to the hand. But yeah, I, I think it's it's the most obvious. I've seen the impact of player power, I think, in, in a really long time, how how a team's fortunes can turn around so quickly and performances, just effort levels can change so much. Um, I do think that there is a level of responsibility that probably sits with the players now. I think they've closed the game. In terms of the table now, they're sick. They're on the same number of points as Arsenal. I think if you'd said at the beginning of the season, if you could compare that to how Arsenal started the year, that would have been almost unbelievable at this point in the season so far. But, I I mean, as a a United fan, how do you sort of view the the performance of of your players as well? Because that's something which has been... Widely criticised, I guess, for players like Pogba and Lingard not not trying that hard.
0: Yeah, I think you're you're 100 right. I think that player power has gotten to the point now where you saw it at Leicester with Ranieri towards the end of his time, where the players just didn't seem to want to play for him anymore. They sacked him, and then they won five games in a row under Craig Shakespeare. So. There, there is that, and especially at a massive club like Manchester United, you'd hope that players want to play for the club, irrespective of who the manager is. But it was clearly visible that players just did not give a toss towards that Mourinho era. Like They were playing in a way that I don't think they wanted to play. But I think that's why they brought in Solskjaer. They always talk about, oh, it's just to put smiles back on faces. And I think it's literally as simple as that. I'm not sure. Obviously, we're not in training, so I'm not sure what he's done differently. But United look like a completely different team. They're they're making one twos. They're running for each other. They're doing things that previously under Mourinho would have been like lofty dreams. Um, And I'm not going to sit here and say that that upsets me because it's bloody brilliant that we've won six games in a row. But it is interesting and definitely something to to look at, especially the massive transfer fees that players are coming in for now. You can spend a shit ton of money on a player, and then if they don't like the manager, they just won't bother playing. I don't know if either of you saw Angel Di Maria's come out today, actually, and said um, that reasons to do with the manager and not wanting to play a certain way meant that he wasn't very good at Manchester United. I just thought that was a a little bit interesting, because it does align to what you said, Tom, that player power seems to be going out of control. But I think if we look at the game, United handled the first half really, really well. And then second half, I think once they got that goal, which was a really good goal in all in all facets of it, well played for Lingard to intercept the ball, really good ball from Paul Pogba, and then a really smart finish from Rashford. And then from then on, it was just sit back. And luckily David De Gea was in absolutely brilliant form. But I, I think Ryan's right. They were all savable shots. I don't think you look at any of those shots and think, oh, that's a world-class save. Maybe the Alderweireld one from the corner with his feet. Mm, Yeah, that was good. I think the Deli Alley one is a perfect example of it. Cuts inside, and normally you see someone just roll that in the corner, and instead he sort of just kicks it kind of halfway between the two. Mm. But I think one thing that has come out of this game that's probably a massive hurt for, for Spurs, Harry Kane. Is out
2: until March. That won't be March. He'll he'll be back by the middle of Feb. (laughs) (laughs) Physio Ryan over here. They said it last year. They said he was out. um, He got injured in February. Um, I can't remember who against now. Um, It was Bournemouth, that was it, when we played at Dean Court. And um, he got Mm -hmm. injured and they said, oh, he won't be back until the, the middle of April, maybe even the end of April. And he was back by the 1st of April. He, the, the bloke is he's, he's got some sort of I don't know if he just spends all of his time in oxygen, oxygen chambers <laughs> like, like practice voodoo, I don't know um, but yeah he, he never seems to be out injured as much as or as long as he says he, he is and I guarantee if we get a result next Thursday against um, Chelsea and get to the final of the Carabao Cup that's on the 24th of Feb he'll be back for that I can guarantee that because there's no way he won't want to play in it Um yeah, going back to what you said though, about a minute ago about the like saves and stuff. Um, a couple of things I am really getting—it's getting really rather annoying now in terms of Tottenham. Like, I feel like the Rashford goal—it was well taken, but I feel like De Gea would have saved it. But Larin mm. just—I don't know. Ever, ever since that, which sort of happened for the last couple of years, maybe a year and a half or so, he's not been as comfortable as a shot stopper as he used to be in my opinion. And I feel like it's getting to the point now where we have to consider going forward long-term, whether it would be best to sort of maybe leave him out and give... Because Gazaniga seems to do everything right whenever he plays in the cup game and then just gets dropped again. But Lloris is not exactly covering like all bases in terms of like shot stopping, and his distribution has always been quite poor. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with that going forward this year. And also, the fact that we we gave another goal away from a stupid mistake against a big team, it's getting so, it's getting so, like, tiresome now. Like, the, the Man City game was was very similar. We let them score after about eight minutes and then couldn't get back into the game. We then give, Trippier gives the ball away um, and then United scored right before half-time, which is obviously the worst time to let a goal in. And it's just really annoying. Like, they, they keep saying, like, oh, we should do this and we should be challenging for trophies and stuff but why or how, how can we if, we if we're playing like that against any game in any game that matters Agrees. it's so annoying yeah So it's so annoying like it's all well and good like beating like Cardiff like we did on New Year's Day or um, uh, on that sort of thing but like when it actually matters I can't remember the last time we actually like put a shift in and didn't didn't make any individual mistakes the goalkeeper didn't have a mare people didn't give away penalties like it's just it's it's becoming very wearisome
0: do you think that's going to be made harder,
2: especially over the next month, with
0: Harry Kane probably out for a while? Uh, human son off at the Asian Cup, where are your goals going to come from now?
2: Um, I think we've got enough goals in the team. I mean, Ericsson usually chips him, um, creating chances or scoring himself. Ali usually gets involved as well. Lucas Morris should be back from injury relatively soon. And, um, I've always been, I don't know why, like, because he doesn't play a lot, but I've always wondered why Lorente doesn't get more of a run-out. Because he does seem to bring something to the team. Like, the last five minutes when he came on against United, he caused chaos. Like, there's a couple of long balls, and he, like, nodded, nodded a few down. There was a chance right at the end with Kane when he sort of lobbed it over the defence, and he couldn't get on the end of it. Which I think is what led to Kane being injured, which is pretty gutting, but never mind. But yeah, he... I don't know. I'll just give... I'll, I'll stick him up front. Because he's not a bad player. And he's... Apparently, Jansen is been, like, not in Pochettino's plans. So it's either that or play Ali up top. But I think they're probably going to go to, they'll move to three at the back with Dyer coming back from after having his appendix removed. They'll move to three at the back again, maybe drop a midfielder off and then play Ali up top. But, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be adverse to um, giving Lorenzo a run out.
0: Absolute steal on fantasy football as well, 5.6 million. Yeah. If you want to get him in well. there. <laughs>
1: Uh, Ryan, do you think that there's um, maybe a, a slight issue with the number of centre midfielders available to Spurs at the moment? I think this is Sokos injured at the moment as well, and and obviously Dyer's away with uh, coming back from the appendix operation. Mm. But and Winks looked especially tired. I remember seeing it after the Chelsea game. Do you think maybe you might have an issue with players in the middle of the park? I feel
2: like having just two fit centre midfielders is normal these days. Like I can't remember when yeah, yeah. we don't have we didn't have two fit centre midfielders. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like this is the next couple of weeks will be where the the wheels come off of the season. And it's just, like I say, it's it's quite annoying, but um, not a lot we can do about it. I I was never comfortable with only taking a 1-0 lead into the second leg of the semis, of the League Cup anyway. And I can imagine Chelsea will turn it on next week, which means we'll get tipped out of that. And then (laughs) probably Dortmund will do us over in the Champions League because, like I say, it does take that. Creative element as well as the goal scoring element away, not having your best player playing, and the fact that the midfield is running on empty. Like I say, it's it's going to be interesting. The only saving grace is the fact that we've got some winnable Premiership games coming up. Like we go to Fulham on Sunday, then we've got um, three home games in a row after the cup uh, games. We've got Watford, Leicester, and Newcastle. So sort of like not the worst run of fixtures ever. But yeah, like I said, just in general, it seems to be a bit flat at the minute. There's not going to be pretty much, I'm guaranteed there'll be no signings coming in. And then you've got like a midfield that you have two fit players and then you have the best striker that we have like on the sidelines. So it's pretty bleak at the minute, not going to lie.
0: And Musa Dembele's jet setting around China trying to find a move at the moment. So he's
2: he's fucked less than that. He's fucked anyway in fairness. Like he wouldn't have been because he's we, we, we all know it. Like he's been watching him for the last six months, you can just tell. The last like properly good game he had was Juventus away in the Champions League last year when he like sort of like he just dominated the midfield and after that you can just see he was like a broken man. And ever since <laughs> he's been trying to get back to the levels but he just he just can't. <laughs> Which is fair enough. Like he's he's always struggled with injuries. But I wish him well because I'm assuming he'll be sold by the time next week. But yeah, he's been he's been a good good player for when when he when he's been fit.
0: Let's move on from the sort of dire Spurs, not Eric Dyer, yeah. just, just a the other word, <laughs> the uh, dire Spurs performance in that one. Let's move on to West Ham versus Arsenal. It's a shame that Alan isn't on the pod because I'd imagine he'd very quickly have to change his trousers once we started talking about this result. West Ham beating Arsenal by goal to nil. Declan Rice with a really good finish. Tom, what did you make of the game?
1: Yeah, it was good. I think it's, it's um, potentially a good turning point and uh, turning opportunity for the season for
0: West Ham. Is I think they had a,
1: a sign of how far they've come. They, they, had a, they had a notoriously poor start to the season, which we've discussed at length before. But they look a much better side now. And I think you'd hope these type of games, was it, they haven't beaten Arsenal at home in something like, was it? Well, I can't 2006. 2006. Yeah, 2006. Okay, so they had so it's such a long time they hadn't beaten Arsenal at home. Um, so to get that result is really important for them. I think it'll be very interesting how they shape up for the rest of the season. I think we'll probably discuss now. That it sounds like there's a big shift in players transferring out of out of West Ham at the moment. Whether that's Arnautovic looking like he, he might be heading to China, but equally um, Javier Hernandez sounds like he's agreed um, agreed to a deal to move to Valencia as well. So you'd imagine they would dip back into the market. Um, for a striker as
0: well. Does that mean that they're coming for your boy Callum Wilson?
1: I don't think so. I, 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 I'd I, be surprised if he did go to... Any, for him, I'd be surprised if he went to West Ham. I'd be surprised. There's been talk of West Ham being interested in him as well as Chelsea. And I can pretty, fully get behind Chelsea because it's a... It's a significant step up, right? They are in the top six, and there's such a gulf between the top six and everybody else. West Ham, although I think are probably a better side than Bournemouth in terms of individual talent and things like that. Um, I don't know why you'd go there. Uh, I don't see the progression he'd get in his career. I don't think it's it's not one of the London teams where you're going to get a huge amount of exposure. And the fact that he's already in the England squad and, and probably in the mind of the Future England squads as well. At the moment, I don't think there'd be any boost that he'd get at West Ham that he wouldn't get at Bournemouth. Um, and I guess the other thing is money. And, and if West Ham can afford to pay a lot more on wages, then that would be a, an attractive, um, yeah, an attraction for him. If I'm honest with you, I think the way this is going to play out, he won't go. I think he'll sign a new contract at the end of January, um, and I think he'll he'll be on an absolute wedge. So that's probably how I see this playing out. But if they
0: offer 75 million. I'll, I'll drive him up there myself. <laughs> um, Ryan, one thing that I was going to mention in terms of West Ham, Declan Rice, obviously scoring the winner, still hasn't decided whether he wants to play for the Republic of Ireland or England. Do you think he's got a good enough shout to make it into Gareth Southgate's England squad?
2: Um, yeah, I think so, especially when the alternative is um, what Mick McCarthy came out and said the other day, was said he wants to build his Republic of Ireland team around him. And there's nothing, oh nothing more frightening than Declan Rice basically being asked to play up front in <laughs> back five, and then four midfielders, all of which are both six foot tall. Um, yeah, I feel like I feel like he could definitely get into the England squad. Um, you look at like the midfielders, like in terms of, like holding midfielders. We've got Henderson, who can be erratic. Shall we can shall we say, if we're being kind, and then Dyer, who again is still probably trying to get back to the levels he was at. Um, about 18 months or so ago, maybe a bit bit longer. He's, he's had trouble with injuries and, and stuff, and he can sometimes be a bit limited in terms of his passing. Yeah, it's it's interesting to sort of see whether he or not he will actually declare for either country or whether he'll get called up, and then obviously he can either accept or reject it. But I, I think he can definitely get it. Um, whether or not it will be as a regular, a bit like Wilson, obviously, at the minute with... Um, they're they're being sort of like a, a bit of a debate on who should be behind Kane in the England squad. Maybe Rice would be like that in a minute, but there's no reason to say if he carries on like years, he, he could either be Republic of Ireland captain for ten, fifteen years, or he could be in the England squad for at least a decade if he carries on. Because like I say he he does look a really tidy player. And I've got an audio book on the go at the minute and it sort of mentions about West Ham sort of like Youth Academy from maybe twenty years ago where they've got like Joe Cole and Rio Fernand and Lampard. And it's like I say it's it's always nice to to have a youth product playing for your for your team, obviously sort of like I know, um, the sort of feeling from like having a load of players come through from Spurs, like with Kane and Winks and um, Oliver Skip as well and it, like I say it is nice to see that even though they are getting a bit silly with some of the money they're paying for transfer fees like you say, you mentioned about potentially 75 million for Wilson I don't think that will come off there like Tom Fair. Um it's nice to see like someone who has been there like come through the ranks and then mm-hmm. um, plays for them it's, it's, it's sort of it is quite nice to see especially like in the premiership because you you feel like like you say that a lot of the teams are sort of so far ahead maybe the top six that it's nice it, it's obviously nice for um, Allen and, and West Ham fans to see him like sort of playing there week in, week out um, and obviously to get his first goal as well which is really good um, but yeah, I, I think definitely he could play for England, 100%. Uh,
0: if we look at other things that happened during that game uh, Sam Nasri made his debut for West Ham and grabbed an assist for the first time in the Premier League since 2016. How much credit do you think um, we have to give to Manuel Pellegrini and how well he's done to turn that team around because he's got I mean, a player like Felipe Anderson, who prior to coming to the Premier League, had been called a one-in-six player, hadn't been consistent at all. Uh, You've got the likes of Arnautovic, who could show promise but was lacking consistency. He's moved Declan Rice into midfield. Tom, how much credit do you think Pellegrini has to have in how West Ham are playing at the moment? Just because of the way it's been turned around. Um, He also seems to be managing egos very well, because I think
1: maybe the issues with Arnautovic in the past have been that he maybe gets a bit too big for his boots quite quickly. Um, specifically at Stoke, but yeah, I think he's a good manager, and and that's probably what West Ham have needed for quite a while. With with going through the other ones they've had with with its Allardyce or Moyes and people like that, they just needed someone a bit more solid and a bit more secure. And it's it's it looks like the fans trust him as well, and I'm sure Alan would be quite give him quite a glowing review. But um, yeah, I, I think it's it's I mean, on the on the flip side of this this game is is the Arsenal, who I think actually. I think, we are in a bit of a crisis okay. at the moment. Um, but both on the pitch, the results have turned a lot, but um, off of it, I mean, Emery came out and said they're only going to be able to sign loan players um, this uh, this transfer window. And something that's just come out in the last sort of half an hour is that um, Sven Mislintat is um, the head of recruitment. He's leaving um, Arsenal and he's only been there for 14 months. And you've got to imagine that's probably because of he's been restricted in terms of who he can bring in. And I think the risk they took on Bamiyang I think is actually probably paying off at the moment. He's he, he's scoring goals and, and is looking effective and I think when he's signed we sort of discussed the risk you have with signing someone who's 28 years old and their significant feature is pace. But he, he seems to have worked in the Premier League so far so you've you got to give it to them there. But I think he he was one of the main factors of the successes of Dortmund and if, if you're letting that sort of calibre of person go from the club, maybe
0: something's going wrong behind the scenes. It's- It's interesting because you mentioned they've not been good. Their away form has been abysmal. They've picked up just two points over the last five league away games. And with that guy leaving as well, you feel like, you know, and I don't want to always talk about Wenger because I don't always want to throw it back that way, but it feels like it probably wasn't just Wenger. If Unai Emery's fighting a losing battle to bring people in, then maybe it is someone higher up in the board that, physically does not want transfers to go through because they see Arsenal more as a business rather than a football team
2: I feel like that's fair but also I feel like it is partly the manager's fault because of the 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 situation they've got themselves in at the minute it's partly due to the um sort of like that obviously they're still sort of coming back from building the stadium with the Emirates like they're still they keep saying like they're still sort of like um, either paying it off or sort of like they're still feeling the ramifications in terms of like the, the construction bills they faced like 12 years ago so I mean fuck knows what we're going to be like in a decade probably go bust <laughs> or something um, but um, but also it is it is partly the manager's fault because of the uh, the contracts that they were put on like that that's apparently the majority of the reason why Arsenal can't afford to go in for players is because they've got people on such a ridiculous amount of money like you obviously also got like Ozil who is um, not playing at the minute, but he's on over two hundred and fifty grand a week. And even people like Carl Jenkinson, like doesn't even get anywhere near the team, gets sent out on loan pretty much every every transfer window. He'll be on an absolute packet as well. So it's like mm. it's it's bad business in my opinion. And and then obviously that leads to then players when it comes to renegotiating, they can't afford to pay them the same. So then they stall on the renegotiation, re- re- and then. They'll leave on a free, such as Ramsey. So it is a, quite a poor business model, I think. I think there needs to be a sort of a bit of a, a lot of root and branch review about how they do their business, because I don't think it, over the last five years, whether it be venger or Emery, either of them have got it right. Especially, like I say, with, with the length of and the and the amount of money uh, they've offered a week, and then the length of the contracts. It's just it just doesn't. It it smacks of being really short term rather than long-term planning. And then, obviously, the, sh- the problem with short-term planning is that five years down the line, it comes back and bites you on the arse. Yeah, definitely. yeah
0: no, I totally agree. And it seems like over the recent years, too many good players have left Arsenal on a free transfer to mm. do bits elsewhere. Exactly. Uh, right, we'll leave it there for the Premier League review. After the break, we'll have our January transfer quiz. Let's see who can add a point to their score this week some talking points, and then maybe a little recap of some interesting things as well happening in the world of football. We'll be back in a bit. This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you.
2: That's it! He's got the chance! it! it. his all
0: over! If you're an MMA
1: fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store.
0: Right, welcome back from the break. We are going to kick off the second part of this episode with our new feature, the January transfer quiz. So you boys weren't on it last week, so I'll explain the rules for you. I have picked a player who has made a January transfer at some point in history and I will give you clues about that player. You can shout your name when you believe you know who the player is, but you have to let me finish the clue. You can't shout it halfway through the clue. Both okay with that?
2: Yeah, the etiquette is is perfectly sound there. (laughs) Right. Let's start it off.
0: Clue number one. I was born on the 6th of November, 1990, in Germany.
2: Ryan... (laughs) Okay, he's gone hard. Didn't have to guess. So 20, 28 29. Germany. Let's go. <laughs> a stab in the dark. Mats Hummels. It is not Mats Hummels.
0: Uh, Tom, would you like to guess this round or would you want to just let me keep going?
1: No, I'll let you keep going. Clue two.
0: I have only ever played in two leagues. Uh, My gent jan- R- Ryan. Huh?
2: <laughs> Jerome Boateng. It is
0: incorrect. Ah. Just.
1: Both, both of these people are well over twenty. <laughs> I,
2: I reckon. I Hummel's, reckon Hummels is late
0: twenties.
1: I think Hummels is like almost mid oh. thirties.
0: I think he's. I reckon he's thirty. Oh no, he's thirty. 30 uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Jerome Berteng is
2: 30. Oh, okay. thirty. That's not
1: too bad. I thought he was older than that. Kevin Prince Berteng's the older
2: brother. Yeah, yeah, he was the loose cannon, wasn't he? he the, <laughs> the one that so, went and did all the bits.
0: Clue number three: My January transfer was to Wolfsburg. In 2015. Oh, you fucker. fucker. No, I'm going to keep going. Wow. I, I collected a Premier League winner's medal during the season that I transferred. Ryan. Tom? Ryan. Oh, I think Ryan just got there before you, Tom. That's fine. Kevin De Bruyne. It's not Kevin De Bruyne, no. no. Tom?
1: No. Oh, is it fair? Um. All
0: right. Is it it Njoli or something? It is not Njoli. I don't know who that is, but it's not him.
2: (laughs) So you collected collected a Premier League winner's medal when, Danny? Sorry.
0: In the year that he made his January transfer in 2015. Okay. Next clue. I was the last German player to score a hat-trick in the Premier League.
2: Oh, Ryan. Yes. Andre Scherler.
0: Correct answer is Andre Scherler. Well played. So Ryan gets himself on the board. With one point, uh, £22 million he went to Wolfsburg for.
2: Yeah, I was I was thinking it's got to be a German. I, I don't know why I said De Bruyne. That was such a shit guess. Because even when I said it, I knew he played in Belgium. Like, <laughs> in England and then to Wolfsburg. So that was just stupid. But, um yeah, yeah,
0: nice. And then uh, nicely done. I tried to chuck in the Wolfsburg one just in case people thought Kevin De Bruyne. Because I only said he was born in Germany. He might have been uh, someone else. But, yeah. Fair play. Ryan gets himself on the board. Right, moving on. Let's go on to some talking points. Who wants to kick us off for this week? Sol Campbell. <laughs> oh, yes. They got a bloody 2-1 uh, win at Grimsby,
1: didn't they? <laughs> go on, the boys. Huge. They've just moved up to 23rd um, in of 24, so not not huge. <laughs> but um, uh, but they, they looked... And I actually looked at the recent form they looked like they're doing pretty well. An interesting thing this week from from Macclesfield and Sol Campbell news, they are recruiting... Andrew Cole, oh, as uh, one of their coaching staff, he's considering an offer from Sol at the moment. Um, so that would be an interesting addition to his team, maybe some attacking prowess that they need. But they seem to have turned it around
0: since he's, uh, well, he's steadied the Macclesfield ship. He is definitely moving on up. That is the <laughs> 24th up to 23rd. And getting Andrew Cole in for the attacking goals, the Silkman, they're going all the way. I think, I think it, oh, the it also the...
2: helps that Notts County have been absolutely shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well, the, the
1: advantage of like League Two and stuff is there's only two relegation places in there, so um, it's just it's just like yeah, there's only so, there's, there's so many teams to play. You have only got to win a few points. Yeah. that's great. So I'm sure I, I'm gonna I'm gonna nail uh, nail it to the mast now. I think they're gonna st-
0: they're gonna stay cool. up soon. Oh, you, you'll have to keep us updated on the Sol Campbell news because uh, I won't go <laughs> looking for that on my own accord. <laughs> Ryan, have you got any talking points from
2: this week? Um, Rio Ferdinand being an absolute wet wipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the classic. We we were talking about. I was talking about this with my friends from home the other day, and the fact that he obviously has been basically caught out chatting a bit of shit, and then he's tried to um, come back by just saying it was all. Oh no, I was fishing. I was fishing. It's fine. Um, <laughs> on Twitter, and it's like no, you really just mug yourself off, and then you are now trying to like come back for it. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so obvious. He's obviously friends with Mike, um, Mike Ashley. And it's just like, you're just trying to just sort of back up your mate. And it's just like, mate, he's, he's a terrible, terrible chairman. And he's all of the things he said on the Saturday were just false. Like how he spent his own money. He, he didn't. They made so much money from player, player sales. It was ridiculous.
0: All uh, right. To, uh, to be fair, that goes hand in hand with one thing I was going to mention. Richard Keyes. Disgrace Sky Sports presenter yeah, it's awful, saying yeah. that if Rafa Benitez loved Newcastle so much, he'd sign people with his own money. Like what?
1: What? Well, so, so the worst. What um, uh, Keyes was referring to though, was he saying, "Why doesn't Rafa buy the club?" <laughs> so that—that's what I didn't understand. Is like, uh, like, so they were saying, "Oh yeah, put money in for." I think Rio said, "Put money in for players." But he said, well, the club's for sale. Why doesn't he just buy it? It's like, because, I mean, how much money is Rafa <laughs> Benitez on? Like, I don't understand. He's rich, but he's not, he doesn't own Sports Directly. <laughs> but uh, uh, the things about the Rio stuff is there's, there's things that he said which were false as well. Yeah. So he said, oh, um, Ashley's taking away all the debt from the club. Actually, the club is £120 million in debt to Mike Ashley. Mm-hmm. Um, so whoever buys the club has to buy that debt as well. The other one was saying that they're a bit of a yo-yo club. They started getting relegated when Mike Ashley took yeah, over. Classic. <laughs> like they, they were a solid Premier League team for years before Mike Ashley took over. So, uh, yeah. It, and like you Ryan said, Sports Direct is the main distributor of Rio Ferdinand's cap brand. <laughs> so, there's, there's no way that he's going to slag off Mike Ashley. And I thought Richard Keyes putting his nose in was completely pointless and fruitless as, as well.
2: It's it for like the reaction though, isn't it? It's- like, yeah. he's obviously just over in like the Middle East doing irrelevant broadcasts, and now he's just like, oh, I can say something a bit controversial, and it'll get views.
0: Uh, it's ridiculous. Oh, but that is Newcastle. I feel sorry for Newcastle fans. Like the amount of times they've been on the brink of selling to someone who actually wants to do something with the club, I and mean, it's just like, no, we're gonna we're gonna reject it, and we're gonna stay selling shorts and really terrible trainers. Um. I guess. One yeah, I don't, I don't think the Newcastle fans are forced to work in sports, right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh,
0: One thing that I thought we should probably talk about as well, uh, Per Cech has announced his retirement. He'll retire at the end of the season. One of the best goalkeepers of the Premier League era, do you think?
1: Yes. <laughs> Ryan's having like a fight. <laughs> right. yeah. he, he, also, um, he also agrees. Yeah, it's all right. Um,
2: yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, Hemmschmeichel, Van der Sar. Um,
1: yeah. Probably probably De he- probably De Yeah, as well. He's in, in that Yeah, bracket, so.
0: yeah fantastic goalkeeper. All time most clean sheets in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. So we will end it there. Team of the Millennium will be back next week on Friday when Tim is back. I don't agree with half
2: of the team as well, by the way. <laughs>
0: but...
1: <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. You played Ronaldo as a right winger. Right yeah, no, I, yeah,
0: I, yeah. I, yeah it's a lopsided 4 3 3 there will be an episode for you to voice your concerns <laughs> that is perfectly
1: fine my problem is now that I put Ronaldo and Messi up front so I don't really know who else to put with Ronaldo because um, you put Messi on the
0: right wing right? yeah Messi's gone right mid Ronaldinho at left wing
1: I have to feel like Crespo
2: with Ronaldo <laughs>
0: That's an um, odd choice. Yeah,
2: the, the, you has a like journeyman striker and crossbow that was never good. <laughs> I <guess> it's not like, <laughs> like a really bad decision.
0: Uh, right, so we will be back on Friday with a full review of the Premier League and that team of the Millennium, as well as the latest instalment of the January transfer quiz. But from me, it's goodbye. See you later, Tom. See you later, mate. Thanks for right, that. enjoy your dinner. Thank you, mate. See you later. See you later, guys. <laughs> Bye.